At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, as well as Chief of Cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. When the pandemic began, companies across the U.S. abruptly closed their offices, asking employees to work from home. One year later, millions of people are still working remotely. Many are facing the additional challenges of juggling childcare and remote schooling. The boundary between our work lives and personal lives has become blurred, leading many to ask, am I working from home or living at work? In a recent episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live program, I spoke with three experts about the physical and mental effects of this past year of working from home and what we can do to keep ourselves healthy in this new paradigm. My guests were Amy Exum, a psychotherapist with Baptist Health's Community Health and Wellness Team, Dr. Justin Thottam, a back and neck pain physician at Baptist Health's Miami Neuroscience Institute, and Dr. Maria Adonez, a family medicine physician with Baptist Health Primary Care. Let's listen in. When we work from home, everyday activities like just getting out of our pajamas, brushing our hair, aren't really necessary anymore. Shouldn't we develop a routine? Is it, is it healthy to break out when everybody looks the same? Should we, should we pay attention to how we look and how we um, manage ourselves? So thanks, thanks for that question. Many of us have probably experienced a day or two where we may have stayed in our pajamas or not done our typical daily hygiene. Um, but just so you know, routine can be a good thing. It brings certainty at a time where most things are uncertain and there's a lot of changes that will continue to happen. Routine also alleviates our need to make decisions. So as we've gone through this pandemic, we've had to make so many different decisions each day, just what it looks like to go drop our kids off at school, what it looks like to run to the store. If we have a routine, we already know what time we're gonna eat lunch, what we're gonna have for lunch, and it's able to reduce those stress levels that we're probably all feeling right now. On top of that, it helps us maintain a lot of our healthy habits. But what we've been experiencing through this pandemic is a, a lack of any kind of new, interesting, fun experiences. So if we take that lack of new experiences in combination with a set routine, our lives can seem pretty monotonous. We want to be able to balance out having a routine while also trying out new things. I know we're, we're in a pandemic, so we're still limited, but it doesn't mean that we can't change up things. We can't try a new place to grab food on the go or try a new spice in our meal, pick up the phone and call somebody that we haven't talked to in a while, or try a new hobby. Just because we're working from home and practicing safe social distance doesn't mean that we can't have fun and try out new things. So the uncertainty of this whole situation um could be balanced a little bit by creating that routine. You could at least can control what you can control, which is your own personal hygiene and some components of your day. Um, and again, we all spend days not showering and, and changing at the beginning till we figured it all out. So I certainly um, uh, could agree with that. Um, but elaborate a little bit more on those changing up the things that you can do. We're, we're clearly limited to some degree in what we can do. So what are those recommendations? And specifically, we talk about how we have a workforce that's close together, talks all the time, the old in my generation water cooler discussion about the funny TV show that happened over the weekend. How can we how can we have these 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 social engagement with coworkers when we're we're not physically in each other's company on a regular basis? 
you know, it, it's, it's one of the things that I miss most about going into work are those little conversations, those coffee breaks, that lunch hour that we get to spend with our colleagues. Never would have guessed that I would miss having that passing conversation in front of the copier or photo or um, the, the water cooler, as you had mentioned. So it's really important right now that we make an effort to reach out. We are physically disconnected from people. And so it takes a little extra effort than if we just had some of those casual interactions. I know it's not ideal, but we can have a Zoom lunch with our colleagues. It, it's not the best, but it's something that we can supplement with until we're able to have those more in-person, comfortable interactions. You can also do things like schedule that coffee break with your colleagues. Sometimes I, I have 15 minutes, I'll text my colleagues on Microsoft and say, hey, do you have 15 minutes where we can just chat and have, have a cup of coffee together and we all get on. You can also connect through group chats where you can send pictures to each other, make sure that you're keeping in touch that way. Um, also know <laughs> that some of your colleagues are going to be a little bit busier than others because they have some of those home responsibilities teaching their children from while also doing their own work. So if they don't respond, don't take it personally. We are all busy. And then I'd ask everyone to capitalize on those little interactions that we have outside of the home. We don't get them in the workplace anymore. But if you go to the store and you pick up something, say hello to the cashier. Say hello to the person in line. How are you doing? We don't have to have these long drawn out conversations conversations, but just those little interactions really help keep us emotionally and socially healthy. I think that's really a great point. The social isolation can be um, um, can be recognized and combated with little type of things like that. We even started a Zoom meeting this morning, and the first thing was I went through the room about everyone say a little bit what you did over the weekend and start a little dialogue. And granted, you have to have the time and the right people to do it. The other part I want to emphasize, and I've seen this in my family as well, is if someone does not want to participate in that conversation or they don't sign in for a, a video social engagement, don't judge them. They may be busy. They may have appreciate that free time or they just might be embarrassed with it as well. So uh, the new world of not passing judgment <laughs> for how we all how we all handle these experiences. That's great information. Uh, Justin, I want to talk a little bit more about um, you know, medical and ergonomic issues. So, you know, home offices across the country, make, we've made these makeshift workstations people working at the kitchen, couch, even beds um, with laptops. Um, you know, they may be cozy, but they take a toll on one's body. My daughter, who's intimately worked at home, has a terrible posture, sits with a laptop. I always think she parlays it into an excuse for me to give her a neck massage at night, but there are real, real consequences to this. So what are the kind of injuries and health issues you've seen spike over the past year because these people having to improvise and working at home, what are the what are the medical conditions? Then we'll then we'll follow up with what are recommendations you can make for people to avoid those types of injuries. Sure, Jonathan. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of increase in neck and back pain and issues. Uh, again, like you said, people are kind of making makeshift workstations. So um, where patient, people had uh, work uh, ergonomic chairs and, and standing up desks, uh, they don't have that anymore. So they're using their, their kitchen countertops and, and, uh, and couches and beds. And I'm sure also with uh, a lot of patients having children, a lot of the office space is kind of taken up. So um, you're kind of, uh, you, you kind of give up everything for your children or a lot of patients do, and then you end up kind of uh, sacrificing your own health. Um, so we've been seeing a lot of musculoskeletal problems, uh, arthritic pain, herniated discs. Um, and it, a lot of it is from poor posture, um, uh, increased sitting also is, is kind of causing problems that uh, people take for granted, even driving to work, you're kind of getting up, walking to your car going, you know, sometimes you stop at the coffee shop, uh, walking through the parking lot. Those are all kind of 
exercise that we were doing before that a lot of people don't have anymore. Um, so uh, kind of contributing to a lot of the symptoms that we're seeing. Um, and, and also because of the pandemic, I think a lot of people were afraid to be seen uh, or were kind of delaying, delaying, delaying until uh, it, it became pretty severe where we were seeing an increase in, in herniated disc and and uh, and severe pain. So I think the key point is you've always seen those injuries, but you're clearly seeing more frequent or more people coming in with those those consequences. When, you know, to the best of your ability uh, for these purposes, when would you recommend someone who has a little neck soreness or the lower back hurts a little bit, um, when should they see uh, a doctor about it? When should they when should they seek medical care? It's a great question. I mean, honestly, I would do it as soon as possible. If you have pain for more than three to five days, I would start. See, I would try to see somebody because the faster you can see one of us, uh, we can kind of give you a, a layout on, and do an exam, make sure everything's uh, um, appropriate and, and no red flags are coming up. Um, but if there uh, is no problems, we can always start you on some exercise program to kind of prevent it from getting worse and improve it before it gets uh, severe. So the early assessment's worthwhile. I'm sure, as you said, you work with them on strengthening and exercise, and we can get to that. What about the ergonomics aspect? What do you actually see, and what are the components that you would tell someone to try and avoid those neck and spine type of um, um, injuries or strains uh, from um, the, the home workstation environment? Yeah, so uh, a lot of times when you're at home, essentially, you want to kind of have a chair that's good and has um, uh, spinal curves to kind of um, emphasize a good posture. Um, you also want to kind of pay attention, at, you know, all of us, including myself, after, you know, half an hour, an hour on the computer, everybody starts to slouch. And it's it's kind of a force of nature. But at the same time, if you're aware of it, you can kind of um, keep it in your mind to to keep your posture. Uh, even getting up every hour or so and stretching, doing the exercise it can go a long way. Um, uh, having appropriate height for the chair. So a lot of times you want your knees to be at the same uh, height of, as your hip with your feet flat. You want to make sure you're, if you're at a desk, your your um, your knees can fit appropriately underneath the desk uh, with some uh, ample space there. Um, having a footrest may be beneficial. Kind of has sometimes you can have like a um, uh, something that pivots, so you kind of even though you're sitting, you're you're moving your legs, getting circulation going. You're you're stretching out the muscles that way. Um, when in terms of the mouse, you want your wrist uh, to be neutral. Sometimes you can even put a, like a little cushion there to kind of help and and take some of the stress off of the wrist. Um, your your chair arm uh, height should be uh, too appropriate so that you're not stressing your shoulders. Um, those are just a few things that uh, and uh, your computer screen should be essentially at eye level or a little bit lower, just so you're not stressing the neck. Right. It's a question that hopefully it's a fair one. So if someone's sitting at their desk or in their couch or at their couch or at the kitchen table and they feel a little lower back strain, do they get up and walk around or do they lie down and take pressure off their desk or off their back? Uh, I would actually get up and stretch. Uh, sometimes it's just the posture of, hey, you're, you're slouching forward and you're kind of stressing all those uh, ligaments and, and muscles, uh, as well as putting some strain onto the joints of the back. So getting up, stretching, uh, I think will go a long way. Um, laying down and having a flat surface with your knees up can also be beneficial. That's more for arthritic pain, but uh, can be beneficial in stretching out the low back as well. Um, but I think majority of the time it's it's the standing and walking stretching that helps you more than the the laying down and, and keeping it flat. 
But that's great. So, so um, Maria, we really teed it up for you. <laughs> so people sitting at their desk for hours, when you're sitting with a patient and you're recognizing um, this bad posture or the bad work situation, um, you know, Justin went into uh, the ergonomics, the, the, the arms at the right level with the with the uh, mouse and the screen at the right level to avoid flexing or, or your neck uh, or extending your neck. What are the actual kind of things you tell people to do um, physically? whether it be, you know, what are the kind of exercises or what are the kind of things you actually tell them to do? You know what, what Justin was saying in terms of standing up and stretching, um, I like to tell patients, um, you know, every couple, you know, maybe 40 minutes or to an hour to get up and stretch and walk around. But then also since now we're all working from home to take advantage of that and kind of like alluding to what Amy was saying to like build it into their routine, right? To build it into their routine. And I tell them go online and find maybe five to 10 minute videos of, you know, core exercises or lumbar back or, you know, neck exercises, upper back, right? And just do that like five minutes, five to 10 minutes. There's really short ones that you can incorporate. So, okay, maybe in that coffee break every day, or maybe when you're going to have lunch before lunch, just do like a five to 10 minute video. Um, you know, it's a lot of like physical therapy videos. So that's what I tell my patients, you know, look that up. If it's even five to 10 minutes, um, it makes a difference if you do it every day and if you can incorporate it into your routine, then um, you'll see the, the difference in your back. I think that's the main point. You don't need to join a gym. You don't need to go out for 45 minutes of heavy exercise. A few minutes, you know, five minutes twice a day is 10 minutes. And and you really don't have to find a lot of time to incorporate this, but it has significant medical benefits as you're describing. Amy, um, you know, we're talking about how we separate work and our personal life. And, you know, we said you can throw a load of laundry in between phone calls or take the dog for a walk. Speak about, you know, the, the, the focus of, of intercalating and separating work from your personal life. So I'm smiling because that's a little bit of what my day looks like with the laundry and the dogs. <laughs> you know, this, this question has been going on for quite some time of how do we separate work and life. Um, ever since we've had the development of these lovely cell phones and laptops, work has really started to encroach on our free time. I, I was talking about this pre-pandemic and now that many of us have our offices and our home, it just gets tougher, right? So one thing that we can do is the way that we look at it is going to be different. We're going to really look at this from an integration standpoint that work and personal life are just integrated. Think about how many times we have to take a, a phone call from our children's school because something happened or we have to make a phone call to the vet uh, during work hours and then vice versa. In the evening when we're supposed to be spending time with our family, we may have a work emergency. So we have to have some of that flexibility, especially with the world that we live in today. Things that can help, though, are, are that routine that we talked about and, and figuring out two different styles. So one style is if and if my employer allows me right to work a couple hours, then take a break, do some personal things, work another couple of hours, do some personal things, really integrate that throughout the day. That may work well for some of you. The other approach is to really be a little bit stricter with your schedule and say, okay, I'm really allocating these hours of my day to focus on work, give or take anything that happens in between. And then I'm gonna really disconnect and shut down from working um, during my personal hours. I'll say that pre-pandemic, I really liked the integration of doing some work, doing some stuff at home, doing some work. Since the pandemic, because I'm always home now, I actually like the second technique. I'm much stricter 
character with my time? Because for some of you, you might find that, oh, it's so easy to keep working past your normal hours. As you mentioned before, Jonathan, we were work, many of us are working a lot. And so some things that I suggest are to turn off the computer, actually shut it down, put it in a way in a cabinet or a drawer where you cannot see it. If it's a different room, close the door so it's not that reminder. On top of it, turn off those notifications from your phone if you have a position where you can do that. And then for the other set of people who have a tough time doing work during those work hours, it's a little bit of holding ourselves accountable, setting our own deadlines, asking our colleagues to help us out and check in with us to make sure that we're staying on track. Because when we're stressed, when we're tired, it's really easy to turn on the TV or start to scroll through social media. Working from home takes a lot more discipline than it does when we go into the office. So we'll take a couple of questions now. Um, can looking at my computer screen for long periods of time have an adverse effect on my concentration or vision? That's actually a common question I get here in clinic right now. In pandemic, people are um, are asking a lot. And, you know, the answer is yes, it can have a, an effect on you. And then also um, on your eyes, a lot of eye fatigue right now that we're, um, you know, prolonged exposure to screens, right? Because there's a lot of glare and our eyes have to strain a little bit um, and we have to focus like this close focus attention so it's harder for the eyes and to adjust to seeing in a distance which is in the short term so for people I also say not only taking the physical breaks but also like take a break and look at a they say like 20 feet away so like a, at a distant object to relax your eyes also a lot of people are having dry irritated eyes so to use um you know, some uh, drops to um, moisturize the eyes, like over-the-counter drops. Um, and then um, the other one is with circadian rhythms, right? So at night, staring at, their, at the blue light and staring at the computer or the phone, right? Because we're catching up on things. So it can also um, uh, disturb our sleep. So I tell people, try to have like that point where you're not looking at the phone anymore. Or if you do need to, then to put the, you know, the night mode or maybe... Um, you know, blue light glasses, if you can, to so that it doesn't interfere with your sleep. So those are some of the common things. That's true. The light from the actual screens can turn off certain sleep um, drivers, so it can affect your, your quality of life and your sleep. Uh, I'm going to ask each of you this question, and we ask each of you to answer it. And the question is, what's the effect of caffeine and the effect of alcohol um, on um, um, on our, our uh, mental and, and physical health um, during this pandemic? Uh, Amy, do you want to tackle that first? Sure. So I'll start with the caffeine, right? Caffeine is a stimulant. I'm sure the other physicians can talk to that. But if I'm already experiencing some anxiety, that stimulation is going to increase my anxiety. So we really want to be mindful of how much caffeine we're taking in and, and what form as well, what time of the day we're consuming that caffeine. Because if we have trouble sleeping, probably not a good idea to have caffeine afternoon. Um, so being mindful of that. When it comes to the alcohol, now alcohol is a depressant. And sometimes people think, well, you know what? I'll just have a nightcap or something to put me to sleep. And it's true. Alcohol will cause you to, uh, will um, suppress you so that you do become more sleepy, but it does interfere with your sleep cycles. And so when we have any issues with sleep, with anxiety, and it can also, by the way, increase your anxiety if you've been drinking enough alcohol and then you stop. Um, so it can really impact the way that we feel emotionally 
emotionally and physically. And so it's important to monitor how much of each substance I'm consuming, whether it's caffeine, whether it's alcohol or anything else that I might be consuming. How does that impact me? How does it make me feel? I often ask my patients, what do you feel like before you have that cup of coffee or you have that drink? What do you feel like afterwards? And then how do you even feel the next day? Because we have a lot of emotions and a lot of mixed feelings that can happen after we've drank too much coffee or, or we've drank too much alcohol as well. So there's physical effects, mental health effects as well. Any kind of mental health uh, diagnosis that you have really want to be cautious with consuming any kind of substances. That's that's great. Um, Justin, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of add on even to those two as, as well as even uh, smoking is also something that, you know, you probably will probably see more of, especially as people have more stress. And uh, again, it can have adverse effects to all of our uh, systems. So you want to just be careful uh, specifically for the spine too with smoking. We've seen that it can uh, adverse, uh, adversely affect like even healing times and, and, and uh, total spine health. What are the signs people should look for in themselves to say, hey, wait a minute, I might be going down this path. And if they feel that, what would you recommend um, um, they can do about it? Sure. So I just want to say first that most of us are feeling pretty tired, if not exhausted. It has been over a year of this and our bodies and our minds just were not built to sustain this level of emergency mode. Now, if I notice that I am not, uh, I'm, I'm feeling very unmotivated, I'm not getting joy out of the things that I used to enjoy. Uh, um, as Maria mentioned, spending time with family. If I used to love and look forward to spending time with family, and that's just not the case anymore, this is a, uh, this is a flag for me. If I'm finding that I'm having more health issues, uh, that is also a red flag for me. Some of us manifest our mental health and our physical health, and it's very intertwined as well. So lack of motivation, maybe sleeping more or sleeping much less, drastic changes in appetite levels or how we eat. Um, we're really looking at anything that is out of our norm. And I know, again, that's tough right now because everything is out of our norm as we speak, but you really know yourself best. And when you start feeling pretty down or extremely anxious, and that's starting to interfere interfere with your ability to go to work, spend time with people you love, to laugh, to learn new things, that's when it's time to reach out to a professional. You can reach out to your primary care physician, you can reach out to a mental health professional such as myself, I encourage you to, to keep and write down the phone number 211. It's a helpline that anyone has access to. You just dial it from any touch tone phone. And then we at Baptist Health also have resources. We have the Recovery Village at Baptist Health where they can can help support your mental health. It's important to not feel alone during these times, which is really easy to do when we're working from home. So again, mentioning that reaching out for your well-being and for others' well-being. If you know that you haven't seen someone in a while, you haven't heard from them, go ahead and reach out and see how they're doing. You can also call that 211 number if you're worried about somebody else. Um, now is a time better than ever to reach out to a professional. Prevention truly is the best medicine when it comes to our physical health and our mental health. To our listeners, please take a moment and give this podcast a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future topics, you can email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe and mask up. 
Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.